welcome to tonight's special edition of the One Plus Power Hour. I am your co-host, Kari Mosey. Glad to be back with uh, my partner in crime, Miracle Jones. Yes, yes, yes. And you do not have to adjust your screens. We are coming to you live from right here in East Liberty um, at Social Station. So, um, yes, Kahari and I are both here in person. So if you're in the area, feel free. Um, to stop by and say hi, but we're going to talk to you a little bit about this upcoming election. We're going to have um, Representative Malcolm Kenyatta stopping by virtually. He's one of the three uh, candidates for Senate here in Pennsylvania. We're going to talk about some really cool things that are happening, as well as if you go to our website, wantedpower.org, we have our scorecards. We just launched them, so new scorecards just dropped. So again, um, you can go to our website. We'll be talking about that a little bit later. So I'll turn it over to Mari. He's going to give you some updates about what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. As Merkel said, in the second half of our show, we'll uh, get into a very deep dive uh, into the primary election coming up on May 17th. Uh, we're going to be uh, joined by uh, Stark and Shane uh, from the Social and Social Status to talk about an incredible event uh, that's coming up on Saturday uh, here in East Liberty, Saturday from 12 to 4, that one of the media and Be Social is partnering on. We're very excited about that. But uh, before we get into that, as we know, we're eight days out from the primary election in the swing state of Pennsylvania. And those who will be chosen on Tuesday, May 17th, will become, um, you know, very important to the national political balance and uh, will become uh, very big, uh, you know, uh, political stars in a certain kind of way, not to make it sound like entertainment, but uh, those Democratic and Republican nominees that emerge on May 17th uh, will be getting a lot of donations, a lot of media attention, and be spending a lot of time crisscrossing the 67 counties of Pennsylvania. But before we get to that, uh, we're eight days out. There's a lot of interesting things continuing to happen. I think one of the biggest local stories um, has been uh, the 12th uh, congressional district race, which is really, you know, turned into a knock them down, drag them out fight between state representative Summer Lee and attorney Steve Irwin. You know, there was a press conference, released press statements last week by Mayor Ganey and uh, Minority Leader Joanna McClinton from the State House um, asking um, Steve Irwin to disavow um, some uh, statements that were made by a PAC uh, that, that, that is supporting uh, his campaign. And we've seen, you know, also uh, uh, endorsements from Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren on Summer Lee's side, Rich Fitzgerald and Bill Peduto on Steve Irwin's side. So this is really, really, you know, and I think in many ways, uh, um, you know, really represents, uh, you know, the national debate um, in, in, in the Democratic Party, you know, between, you know, the AOCs, the Chuck Schumer's, the, the emerging, uh, you know, progressive movement within the Democratic Party and the establishment um, that has kind of been in control of the Democratic Party over the last couple of decades. So, um, you know, this has really become a microcosm. You know that Bernie Sanders is going to be in uh, uh, Pittsburgh on uh, the 12th of May in support of, of Summer Lee. And, you know, there's been no other spokesperson, you know, kind of for the emerging progressive wing of the party taking on the establishment as Bernie Sanders. So uh, this 12th congressional race, not only locally, but on the national level, I think really, you know, represents 
uh, the kind of rift that's happening within the Democratic Party. So for us political junkies, it's very interesting. For those actually in the trenches, I'm sure, uh, you know, this is a very tense time. Um, yes, and that's also a reminder that tomorrow is the deadline to register for your melon ballot. So if you're like, hey, I, I forgot um, to put in my melon ballot, don't worry, we have until tomorrow to go to vote.pa.gov and register uh, for your on uh, the register online for your melon ballot. Because like I said, it's going to be a very, very competitive race. And it's also to remind people that this is just between the Democrats and Republicans. Come November, you'll have Democrats, Republicans, Independents, Libertarian, Green parties. So there will be even more candidates uh, for the November election. And so it's very important that people get out to vote, register to vote, um, and become you know, really engaged about political processes. Because some of the things that we're going to talk about is you know, the right to vote. There is some legislation going on about do we have early voting, do we have drop boxes. We have information about how we're going to spend this billions you know, of dollars that's coming into Pennsylvania from uh, infrastructure bill, as well as so the COVID relief uh, funding that um, the Pennsylvania legislature is going to be in charge of. So this is also one of the most competitive maps we have had in Pennsylvania history. And so everything that's really going to be a toss-up is going to be very important for people to get involved and to register. And of course, you know, we are pushing for, you know, uh, we are one of the legalization here in Pennsylvania, uh, but Governor Wolf has said he is in favor of that. That would also allow for some judicial reforms to happen and have um, some forgiveness of, of people's records as well. And so there's a lot of things that are going on that we just want to encourage and you know, motivate people um, to get involved. And so we do have congressional elections. We also have the local state rep, you know, elections. But and we're looking at what's going on. And all of the districts, because again, uh, Pittsburgh has new to districting has changed. So a lot of our um, races are really competitive. So again, um, this year your vote is really going to count. And we want people to get involved, to get motivated, um, to come out and participate. Yeah, absolutely. We talked a little bit about uh, the local uh, landscape, but to talk a little bit about the statewide landscape, uh, you know, we know that Josh Shapiro, <laughs> Uh, Pennsylvania's current attorney general is the lone uh, Democrat uh, and will advance in, into uh, the general election uh, as, as the Democratic standard bearer for governor. But it's been a, a very contentious race on the Republican side. But it appears in recent days, Doug Mastriano, a state senator who also was at insurrection in D.C., a very uh, ardent uh, Trump supporter, has taken somewhat of a lead uh, most recently, and, and um, also seems to be playing in the Senate race, where he has really been promoting uh, Kathy Barnett, uh, who most recently is now a second and only, um, just maybe a point or less behind frontrunner Mehmet Oz, who's been endorsed by Trump, but we know that Kathy Barnett is now being endorsed by State Senator um, Doug Mastriano, and, and, and what a curveball that would throw if an African-American Republican woman actually sneaks through uh, this Republican uh, Senate race and defeats the uh, celebrity frontrunner, um, Dr. Ox. Uh, yes, and so that would be groundbreaking in uh, Pennsylvania history. Um, if Kathy Barnett wins the nomination, she'd be the first uh, African-American woman to have the nomination, but also be the first African-American, uh, either, either her or Dr. Yana, if they win, but be like the first uh, African-American 
um, senators to represent Pennsylvania. So there is, you know, groundbreaking history on both sides to raise competitive races. And um, there is, for the first time in the past couple of years, not a clear winner. So um, the parties, particularly the um, GOP, said we're not going to do endorsements. We're going to let the voters decide. And so they've been able to really uh, hold on to their funding. That will support whoever is nominated on uh, May 17th. So it's a really uh, different strategy this was here. Uh, you know, this even locally uh, in, in Southwest PA, where we have um, the establishment Democrat Party said, you know what, we're not going to support any of the incumbents. We're going to actually uh, support all of the challengers, even though I'm so, uh, a challenger. And so there's a lot of politics going on. but. You know, you can learn more about it this weekend. If you come um, right here to Social Status, we're going to have food, we're going to have performances, and we're going to um, invite uh, uh, Shane and Stark to join us right here to talk a little bit about Social Status, what is Be Social, um, the supports for the community, and I'm going to turn it over to the conference for the interview audience. over here. This is the beauty of live streaming. Um, so, so we're really, really excited to be joined. I start with Shane from uh, Social Status and Be Social. So I'm going to start with Shane. We'll start. Can we both uh, give us a, you know, a quick rundown on, you know, what happens here at this wonderful space here in East well, as you said, this is a space social status, but we're in the space to be social. We are a nonprofit organization, and we are pleased to be going to change and everything. But um, I work our community attendance, and we host type plan events in the space, as you see right now. So, yeah, we, uh, we've been around for about a year since July of last year. Um, Hosted a slew of different events, uh, many different origins, and it didn't have to just be community specific. But now I've done Cinco de Mayo events, we've done uh, activism through painting, we've done sex education, we've done comic book nights. As long as there is a, a crowd that wants to feel welcome and doesn't anywhere else, we are always there to help them be more social. Absolutely. And, and how can uh, organizations uh, get more information if they would be interested in having an event here at this wonderful space? So there are two ways. You can either go on our Instagram at eSocialPlease, uh, no capital letters, or you can go on to our social status website in the very bottom. You can scroll down and find our eSocial link there. And I think we either have or are in the process of making a website too. Yeah, I think we are. I think we are. <laughs> we should. We should yeah. have our own. Yeah. yeah. We post frequently. Like, um, there's events always happening. Um, you'll see events happening in Charlotte. We'll see events happening. Houston, Houston, Houston. Yeah. here. So it's yeah, please. So keep it up. Come on down. Yeah, just briefly, you just touched on that just a bit, but can you talk just a little bit about the national scope? Um, you know, of, the, of this establishment, how it's not just it's, it's not just Pittsburgh, it's mm -hmm. just not downtown, but it's part of, of a national network. For sure. Our our network ranges from, as we said, we said Houston, we said Charlotte, 
uh, here and not just East Liberty, because that's where we're located. We have it in a plethora of areas. We have people from the South side, people from the, like, obviously the East, we have people from the North side. Um, but I love that this can be just an area for everyone, any demographic, any age mm -hmm. to just come together. Like we, to come back to our secret of my night was extremely incredible. That was, it was, like, really it was so be social distance. We didn't even have like, you know, we didn't exactly have an opening, and our first mixer was not as successful. Like, it was cold. It was December. So, yeah. So, it wasn't really a mixer. It was more like a, you come inside and have a drink to warm up. But it was fun. Yeah. We finally really gained an audience. Yeah. And now they know what basically was capable Yeah. That's, that's awesome, man. And, you know, in that vein, on a Saturday, May 14th, you know, One Foot Media on the C3 side um, is partnering um, with you to do an afternoon event. It's going to be a rally with free food, food truck, DJs. There's going to be live performances. Um, shout out to, to Trouble NLS from One Foot Media for uh, getting a really, really awesome group of young performers and artists who will be performing live um, from 12 to 4 on Saturday and a month of media is just going to be giving out nonpartisan information about the upcoming election. We talked a little bit about why um, that kind of event is the kind of events that you would like to see, you know, happen here, you know, in this space and part of the do social movement. Yeah, I feel like with everything happening, especially where we're located in the community, I feel like this is a great way for young voters to come in, especially when we give them free stuff. Food. At the premises, it kind of brings in the audience and like, oh, what is this? And I feel like a lot of people don't know about a lot of this stuff. I'm personally still learning about this as well, so I'm really excited to be involved with it and with the with the block party. So I'm also learning as myself. So I feel like it's very important to know community people or anybody in general to learn about this stuff because it's very important. I feel like we should care about who we're putting in to take care of us when we're cool. So oh. I feel like this is a great, especially this, like, I think it's a great space. Like, the area, I feel like it's a great, in the middle, people come in, people walk a lot in this area. So people definitely want to stop and definitely look around what's this. And, 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 yeah, I appreciate sure. it. I do. I think that, I like you touched on, I think that people need to be educated, yes. uh, especially now. Mm -hmm. I think with our last two elections, I will honestly say since the past 20 years, um, people need to be more educated on who they vote for. Always, every election is just with everything that's transpired, uh, be it the miscounting ballots in mm -hmm. the 2000 election, or be it just the 2016 and 2020 election, like we have to be educated as individuals, especially on just our system of governments all of this. So I think this is a, it's pertinent information to have out in the world, especially now. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Man. Yeah. And my, my final uh, question, um, you know, is me, you know, I'm, 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 I'm a 40 something now, you know, mm -hmm. and, you know, I see the world a certain way, you know, I have kids, you know, elementary school, middle school, mm -hmm. you know, living, you know, that now I'm officially middle age, you know, <laughs> I have to admit it. But what are, what are you hearing from your peers, you know, folks from the younger generation? You know about politics, about uh, getting involved in the process. How are they 
you know, seeing the world from the pandemic to a major war in Europe to, yeah. to, to gas prices and all the things that are going on. What is, what is the vibe, you know, for the young people? Because we don't often hear you. It's like people from my generation talking, 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 giving a perspective. But I wanted to give opportunity for y'all to give y'all perspective and what, you know, should the leaders be thinking about it? What is your message to, to, to the leaders that are making decisions? So I can honestly say people my age are very jaded. I, I, I think that honestly got to be a great way to say it. I think that we're really jaded in a way of, you know, we, we've seen a lot. We feel like we're not making a change. Like you're doing a lot, but we personally don't. I'm, I'm very happy to the people who are still pushing and still going and really trying to make a, uh, a movement always. But I know a lot of people that are like, why am I voting? What's the point? Like, that is still a large mindset to have. And I think that it's too large for It's too uh, important right now to have that kind of thought. So I think that in order to get us to actually do that, the majority of people our age, um, I think that our politicians are going to have to realize, like, we are next. We are what's coming. And outside of that, we are very vocal. We know what to say. We say it predominantly in a very organized fashion. We, say, we, we carry ourselves well. You know, we have a movement of ways to handle it. And we need to talk to proper outlets. Like, we have really found that balance between anger also organization. So like well, we said before, like our generation are the next leaders. Uh, I feel like a lot of, a lot of politicians forget that. Um, I feel like a lot of them are stuck, like you said, in old times and they're not really listening to what we need to prepare ourselves for, for us to become adults and for us to have our interests and everything so we can develop it in a way that we're at least safe. And uh, and going along with that, like tuition, like you know, that's everyone's tuition fees for college. Like that's just it's a lot of stress on us because now it's 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 high, it's high. Like um, trying to find a place to live now, like a decent place to live now is rising. So you know, you're gas is rising. Like it's just inflation. Yeah, and in general, is yeah. it's at an all-time high. It feels like we've been extremely stagnant. It's we feel stuck, and I feel like our generation is it. We're fed up. Yeah, that's the word. That's why we're like this. That's why people care, because um, the people that we are offered seem like they don't care either about, or rather, the next generation of the leaders. So, but I feel like if enough people were elected that you saw that care, of course, I feel like we would be on. If we saw people, you know, yeah, if we saw people would genuinely. Care. Uh, dismay yeah. and interest for our needs are. I, I can honestly say I know economically things are not perfect, yeah. but I also know that we there are things at hand that we need to fix. There are obvious elephants in the room, elephant in the room that we can handle rather than have things feel as though they've not changed my entire life or your entire life. Yeah, yeah so. I just feel like things now are like. Things that should have been fixed in the past. Like, these for sure. people are saying, I'll, I'll, I'll do this for you. I should have been fixed. Like, yeah. I'm in a perfect time. Like, you have to think about the next generation. Like, come on, now that I get it, like, you know, everybody, like, we're still, I'm 22. I'm still, I'm still.
shit, you know, I, yeah. I, the adulthood is right there, you know, so I need people who understand that, you know, things are changing. Thank you so much for, for joining us. Thank you so much for all your help and helping put together uh, this upcoming event. And again, that is going to be Saturday, uh, May 14th from noon to 4 p.m. In front of social status, the street is going to be blocked off. Uh, Woodfield Street is going to be blocked off for, for a block and have uh, a wonderful flyer. that um, our, our graphic design team has made. And so with that, we wanna say thank you so much um, to uh, Stark and Shane for joining us. And we'll um, put the event invites into uh, uh, the chat as well. And so um, we have with us um, one of the candidates for a Senate who hopefully We'll be able to respond to uh, uh, Stark and Shane and some of the issues that they raised because he is one of the youngest candidates for um, U.S. Senate. Absolutely. We're really excited to be joined by a state representative, Malcolm Kenyatta. Hello. Hey, how you doing, representative? Good to see you. Doing good. And on the road, but I'm pulled over. I'm safe. Okay. This is the second time I've done this right? like, <laughs> on the road, but this time I'm not on the turnpike, so we shouldn't have no 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 issues with the okay. in and out. Hopefully, next time we'll get you either in person or in at person. A, a stationary um, setting. Um, but thank you so much for taking out um, some of uh, you know time to uh, talk with us last week. You know, doing this uh, last push, but you just heard some like Stark and Shane talking about some mm -hmm. of the issues that some millennials are facing and, and wondering whether or not this election is something that's going to change their lives. Would you be able to um, like just respond and just talk about what's motivating you to run for Senate? Yeah, I was, I was listening to that and I was like, I hope you asked me about this because I wanted to respond, uh, Stark and Shane, to what, to what you were saying. And I, I want to say something that I said a little earlier today because I went on, I was on a show on Sirius XM um, earlier today and one of the hosts before we went on was like, well, what is it going to take for young people? I hope they understand that this could be taken away, that could be taken away, that could be taken away. And what I said at the time and would love to repeat here is you can't like bully people into voting for you or try to scare folks into voting for them. And we do this to young people into communities of color in a way that we do not do to middle-aged, moderate white folks. Let's just be clear. Whenever we see movement away from either party for, you know, moderate suburban white voters, the question is, what policy idea is the Democratic Party or the Republican Party going to offer to bring those voters back into the fold if they see erosion in their support? When it happens, with black voters or young voters, it's always blame. It's always, well, enough of them didn't come out or enough of them don't understand what's at stake. People understand, but people have challenges right now that are not being accounted for from our elected officials. And so for people who grew up like I did, who live in communities like the one I live in right now, people were seeing costs go up and their wages stagnate 
before the news media was covering inflation every single day. And that's a real challenge, and it's hurt us even more. But people were already struggling. When people, when we talk about this horrific, awful pandemic, the health safety net for people in communities like mine already had big holes in it that were people were falling through. I mentioned before, I married, I be, I'm buried, excuse me, both of my parents by the time I was 27 because they did not have access to the type of health care everybody deserves. My mom rationed her insulin throughout my life because even as somebody who worked, and she worked as a home health aide, she was not always able to afford the copay for her prescription. I went to a school that was not adequately funded. I am sitting talking to you right now as somebody with tens of thousands of dollars of student debt. And I'm talking to people in my age range who are trying to buy that first home, and that's like not even an option for them. And so until we acknowledge that things are screwed up right now for a lot of people, we're not gonna be able to scare people with, well, this worst thing could happen. We have to explain, and I've spent my entire campaign trying to explain why it matters and what I will do as your next senator to impact your life. And I've summed this all up with talking about America's basic bargain, and I can go through that again. But my, my, my approach to this has always been to acknowledge that people have a very real reason to be frustrated, and then to also lay out why it matters for us to elect folks who come from the types of communities and who have those shared lived experiences, because people don't have to take my word for it. When I talk about canceling student debt, when I talk about healthcare for everybody, when I talk about raising wages for people in the PRO Act, I'm not saying this because I want to earn your vote. I'm saying it because the people in my community, people in my family, the folks that I love best are hurting and struggling around these same issues. And I, can say to you with a level of certainty that we're not the only people going through those issues. And I believed when I got in this campaign that there were a bunch of people all across Pennsylvania, all across Pittsburgh, all across Philadelphia, who were hurting in the way that my community was hurting and who needed a campaign that they felt like wasn't just somebody asking for their vote, but it was somebody who actually understood their life. Uh, th thank you for that. And, um, you know, recently, uh, it, it, one of the the number of debates that have been held, um, you know, across the state that, that I was able uh, to tune in on. And um, just speaking a little bit to a point that, that, you, that you made earlier is uh, there's been a lot of conversation about, um, you know, the ability to win, you know, swing voters, suburban voters, you know, in, in November. And, um, you know, and you constantly go back to, you know, about, you know, the importance of also mobilizing you know, the tens of thousands of voters in Philadelphia proper and in greater, you know, Philadelphia area, many of whom are progressive, many of whom come from diverse communities or even immigrant backgrounds, et cetera. And you, and you made the argument, if I'm not mistaken, um, and, and please, you know, elaborate on it. But I, what I took, you know, from your statements is you didn't feel like it was the same kind of energy, you know, around, you know, those voters in Southeastern Pennsylvania and being able to mobilize, you know, there's been kind of been arguments to win statewide. You have to be able to win voters in this part of the state and that part of the state. But you say to win statewide, you have to be able to mobilize, you know, this huge, you know, uh, you know, smorgasbord of diverse young 
progressive voters in the southeastern part of the state, and we're not talking enough about that. Does that capture uh, your your sentiment? You know, and also, and also, in in, in places like Pittsburgh and and and, and Erie, and places like Harrisburg as well, where you see robust progressive movements up in NEPA as well, in places like Scranton, you see robust progressive movements. Um, and I and I think you're 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 hitting the the nail on 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 a lot. I think the broader point that I was trying to make is. Voters of color and young voters in particular get taken for granted, I think, in many, in many cases, in many elections, get taken for granted. And we're only good enough for a couple of news cycles after the election. I mean, we all heard after the election, oh, Black women, they saved the country again. Thank you, Black women. Oh, my God. And yet, <laughs> nobody is going to diners to meet Black women and ask them what they think about the Senate race. They're not doing that. <laughs> They're running to the same places again and again and again to ask Trump voters, are you still voting for Trump? And that's the, that's the whole article. That's the whole thing. We're not running to those Black voters who turned out in record numbers in southeastern Pennsylvania, in Allegheny County. We're not running to them to say, Hey, are you are you interested in this election? Are you voting? That is a mistake. It is a mistake. It's a mistake to assume that because the Democratic Party, it is, and I will have this argument with anybody. I don't believe it's like equal. It's not like 50-50 Democratic Party and Republican Party are the same. They're not the same. But I think people want more than just you're not the other party. I think people get that. People assume I'm not the Republican, okay? They get that. Then the next question is, well, what the hell are you going to do for me? And I think we have not done a, a good enough job of answering that question. That's why I've been going everywhere. And I've made this point that the message that is exciting for folks and exciting to progressive voters is not a small message that only reaches a small amount of people. If you ask Pennsylvania voters, do they want a good job for their family? something that progressives are fighting for, good jobs, higher wages, the ability to unionize on the job, that's a 70-plus support issue. If you ask folks about their kid being able to go to a good school, and I promise you, it's Democrats and progressive Democrats in particular that are in Harrisburg, where I am right now, fighting for investments in our schools, particularly in low-income black and brown communities. That is a popular issue. The same is true about healthcare for everybody. The same is true about people being able to buy their home, have clean air, have clean water. These are not like issues that are fringe issues. They are central issues. And if we don't make it our business to put those issues front and center and get people out who likely will vote for the Democrat if they vote, but we can't assume that they will. And we can't assume that simply because they will vote for the Democrat if they come out to vote, that we're no, that we don't have to offer them a real agenda for why they should. And I think that that's what I've been saying throughout this campaign. Don't take people for granted who show up for you every time. Don't take them for granted. Absolutely. Thank you so much for that. And talking about taking people for granted, um, there has been a lot of conversation about the um, response to the Roe v. Wade leak, to um, a lot of legislation to impact, you know, interracial marriage, uh, uh, gender-affirming care, all of these things that really go to the heart of people's lived experiences, particularly people who have traditionally been left out of 
the political processes. And so as someone who is not only running this race, but is already involved in politics, how are you gearing up to fight? Because people keep saying we don't see any of these elected officials, um, you know, fighting for us the way they want us to fight to get them elected. So, so the good news on this issue, particularly around, around Roe and about the freedom to choose to do with your own damn body, I've been talking about this before I ever was thinking about running for, for U.S. Senate. Um, one of the things that I did long before I ever ran for office is I was on the board for the National Organization for Women, the Philadelphia chapter, and was the first man ever elected to that board. And we were talking about reproductive justice, talking about um, standing up for, for our trans and non-binary siblings, talking about what we needed to do to not just say we are pro-woman, but to actually put forward an agenda that centers the needs of working families. I am the co-sponsor along with, the, and the co-author as well, along with um, Representative Morgan Cephas, who I know has been out in Pittsburgh um, a number of times talking about um, the um, maternal mortality crisis, also talking about, uh, about the freedom to choose and about reproductive justice. She and I introduced a bill called the Pennsylvania um, Women's Health Protection Act, which is about getting rid of the different hurdles that exist currently in Pennsylvania law that make it difficult for people who want to access abortion health care. Um, the, the hurdles that still exist right now. We said we need to get rid of those hurdles as we saw more and more states pop up with this stuff. And so, you know, I ain't new to any of these conversations. Um, I've been committed to this um, and I'm going to continue to be committed to it. But people are right to be worried if we don't get this moment right. Because this decision, Roe was built on the foundation in part, the legal foundation in part about the right to privacy, the right to make your own personal decisions. And you mentioned a, co a couple of other precedents um, that are held up by that same right to privacy. When we think about interracial marriage, when we think about gay marriage, which was also a tax case, but the right to privacy is critical. And if Roe, which has been upheld Decade after decade after decade, if this Supreme Court is willing to throw out Roe, then you don't have to hold your breath and guess whether or not they're willing to throw trans folks under the bus. You know they are. You don't have to hold your, your breath and guess whether or not they're willing to upend gay marriage. And I just married my husband a couple of months ago. And so, you know, we were looking at each other when that decision came down and said, Damn, there's a lot other things that will come down the pike if we aren't careful. Well, first, congratulations on your marriage. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And um, and just back, you know, and back to, to the Senate race, um, you know, obviously, there's, you know, there's, there's been a ton of coverage. You know, what, in your own words, thinks, you think, um, you know, really is what, you know, particularly the primary, but what this Senate race is about and what, Voters really need to be focusing on outside of the commercials, outside of all the hullabaloo. You know, what do folks really need to be thinking about when they go into the poll on May 17th or when they're filling out their May ballot, their mail? You know, their mail. That's right. You know, listen, if folks are, you know, are filling it out, obviously I want them to be for me or be for me at the polls. But let me make this point clear. This is about answering a simple question. 
who do we think government should work for? My answer to that has always been working people. And then the second question for, for voters is, who do you trust? Who do you trust to actually go to Washington and fight for you day in and day out? I've said this before, and I think last time we were together, I got involved in politics because selfishly, I saw my family and folks in my community getting the short end of the stick. I got into politics because of self-preservation. I'm the only person in this race who is a working person, who understands in their bones what the hell is broken. And so when you really think about who is gonna have your back, it's not just about the person who lives closest to you. I recognize there are two people running out of Allegheny County, but I'm gonna be a Senator for working class people in Allegheny County and Philadelphia and everywhere in between in every single community. And people can trust that I'm gonna do that because they know that I'm fighting for myself and for the people that I love best. Thank you, I know you gotta get back on the road, but I wanna give Miracle opportunity to ask one final question before you get back on the campaign trail. You know, I still wanna say that when you tweeted out about uh, politicians being a stunt queen, me and my friends were like <laughs> dying laughing. And then I had to explain to my mom what that meant. So it was like, not really <laughs> Funny. Uh, but you're you're you know you're in this race. You're one of the younger youngest people um, um, in this race, and a bulk of the issue is falling on millennials. Whether it's the student loan debt, the inflation, the possibility that Social Security may not you know even be here in a few years. Right. Yeah. And so, not to be all doom and gloom, but what is some of the the silver linings or the hopes that you're seeing? Um, while campaigning, and what are what are some of the policies? I know you said you had you know a policy platform, um, but as you wrap, what are some of the policies that you're you're pushing for your campaign? So, so for me, I've been talking about this idea of the of the basic bargain, and people who follow me get sick of hearing it, but I'm gonna say it again. The basic bargain is about this idea that you can have one good job backed up by a union. That's why I've been pushing to raise the minimum wage and pass the Pro Act, making it easier for folks to organize on the job. It's about knowing that your kid has the opportunity to go to a good, fully funded public school in your community. It's why I've been talking not only about quadrupling Title I funding to our poorest schools, but it's why I've also been talking about integrating mental health care um, in our schools. And the last time we were on, I talked about Phillips Law after an 11-year-old um, young Black kid died in my district, Little Phil. It's still the worst day since I've been an elected official to get that call letting me know that Phillips, uh, that Phil died. And I said we need to reimagine the way we provide mental health care to our kids. Um, thirdly, it's about having the security and knowing that if you get sick, you can go to the damn doctor. It's why I've been talking about the need to get to Medicare for All and also to have Medicare have the ability to negotiate drug prices so folks don't have to go to Canada or wherever else to afford their, their insulin. And finally, it's about being able to retire with a level of dignity and a house that you were able to afford in the first place and a community that is safe and clean, that has clean air and clean water. I'm the only candidate in this race who's been willing to say we should stop giving huge tax breaks to big polluters that screw up our water and our air. I'm the only person who's been willing to say we should have a moratorium on all new fracking. I'm the only person who has been willing to say in this race we need to cancel student loan debt. And the others will talk about we need to do something about it. I'm the only person who said we need to cancel it and who's been crystal clear about it. I've been the only person who's been willing to say we need to expand the Supreme Court as this Supreme Court, which is 
held hostage right now by a radical right-wing conservative movement, if we don't expand the court, we are never going to be able to secure our rights after Mitch McConnell packed it in the way that he did. And this is just like what happened with the filibuster. I was for getting rid of the filibuster. Other folks were not for it. And then after January 6th, the folks decided they wanted to run for Senate. Then they were all for getting rid of the filibuster. But I'm the OG getting rid of the filibuster. And the reason that matters is you need leadership. You need somebody who's willing to say something when the political winds don't aren't blowing in that direction, but it's the right thing to do. The thing that I have so much hope about and that I've seen throughout this campaign, bravery is really contagious. And as we've stood up in this campaign, I would be the youngest person in the U.S. Senate right now. I would be the first African-American Pennsylvania has ever elected to the U.S. Senate, and I'm only the second African-American to run for the U.S. Senate for the Democratic nomination ever, to ever even run in Pennsylvania. And on May 17th, well, right now, because ballots are out, this is the first time in American history that an openly gay man has appeared on a ballot for U.S. Senate in American history. And when I get elected, I'll be the first openly LGBTQ person of color to ever be in that body as well. But I didn't stand up in this race because I wanted to make history. Just by virtue of who I am, those things will happen. But I got into this race because I am sick and tired of working people being told that the best we can hope for is somebody who's willing to mention us when they're in office. They're willing to hang a flag for us, maybe. Maybe they'll do a reception for us and say, oh, hey, Black folks, I brought you down to Washington. No, actually, we can elect an African-American. We can elect a working person. We can elect somebody from a marginalized community who folks know is going to stand up for them, those things because I'm fighting for those things for myself, for the people I love best. That is why I'm in this. And I think there are a lot of other people who got involved in politics as a lot of different ways that people can be involved. I think you got involved for the same reason, because there was something in your community you cared about that you wanted to see made different. And my hope is that win, lose, or draw in this race, and we are going to win with your help, that people look up and say, if Malcolm can run, it's not Malcolm so great, Malcolm so cool. If Summer can run, if all these folks can run that you might be inspired by, you know what? You can run too. And so for folks who are watching, who are thinking about it, you can run too. And I'm telling you, if you run, you can win. Thank you so much for that. State Representative Malcolm Kenyatta, a Democratic candidate for the United States Senate and a candidate that we know we'll be hearing a lot from uh, in the future. Um, 31 years old, super impressive. I'm just, you know, blown away by, uh, you know, just how you've campaigned, how you comported yourself. And I definitely wouldn't be able to pull that off when I was 31. I know that. <laughs> well, I appreciate you both. Always good to see you, my friends. Absolutely. Talk to you soon and best of luck. And again, that was State Representative Malcolm Kenyatta, Democratic candidate, um, also a Pennsylvania State Representative, but also a Democratic candidate for the United States Senate um, on the campaign trail, eight days away from a historic uh, election uh, coming up on, on May 17th. Um, so um, now we're at uh, the, the part of the show where we'll get into uh, the scorecards and talking about the upcoming primary. Uh, just some quick housekeeping things. Uh, we, we know tomorrow is the final day to apply for your mail-in ballot. And if you do apply for your mail-in ballot between now and the close of business tomorrow, you know, you're cutting it very, very close um, 
because you're just applying, you know, you're applying to, uh, to, to receive uh, the ballot. Hopefully that ballot comes back in the mail in time so that you can then also get that back out so it can be received by 8 p.m. on election day. You know, after all of the uh, drama of the 2020 election, and there was some counties where you could, you know, where they could, as long as it was postmarked by the election day, you know, now we're telling, just get it back to your local board of elections by 8 p.m. on May 17th to avoid any, uh, you know, potential drama um, you know, from one political party or, or, or another. Yes, it's also very important to remember to sign the back of your envelopes, sign and date them, use the secrecy envelope. You're going to have two envelopes. If you have questions, don't worry. You can just go down to your local Board of Elections office and actually um, have them walk you through the process. They're not able to help you, you know, circle in, you know, the bubbles and tell you who to vote for. But they can walk you through the process and verify your ballot is correct. You want to double check that your ballot has your name, that your ballot has your address, and your correct ward. Uh, a couple of times, people have gotten their uh, spouse's ballot. Um, people have gotten the wrong ward. And so, again, you always want to just double check your, your mail-in ballot and make sure it's correct. If you have any questions, go down to your local board of elections. And so, you know, the moment <laughs> you've all been waiting for, you know, um, not going to give you a drum roll, but we decided, you know, as an organization to ask people about the issues that are important to us, issues that we care about, and, and then put some scorecards out. Um, we contacted people through email and social media and their websites, and we followed up with some folks. Um, and so we do hope that for the people who have a no, a no response, that they will um, hopefully uh, uh, respond. But John, if you can start pulling up our, our graphics, we can start um, with uh, Senate and work our way down. Um, we did send this out to the people and the ones that responded are the ones that we're going um, uh, to look at. And we did target people um, that have um, at least a, a 40%, what, 30 to 40% um, black population uh, for this um, region in southwestern PA, but come November, we're going to do everyone um, uh, who's running for elected office in Pennsylvania. Um, also, a lot of uh, conservatives were not running in contested areas. They're the only person on the ballot, and so that's why they are not on the scorecard. So with that, um, John, we're going to have you start pulling up the slide. And starting with uh, the uh, the Democratic candidates for the United States Senate. Um, and, and, and just to explain, there, there was a 20-question uh, question questionnaire that was sent out to the candidates, um, and we uh, scored um, stringently based on the responses. Uh, you know, there was no, um, you know, judicial uh, uh, flexibility that we took where because, you know, we may like one candidate more than another, uh, we gave them extra points uh, that that was not the case. Uh, all the or, or or if there was any potential other elements that happened in the campaign or any news stories or anything like that, we had to focus it specifically on how the questions were answered in the questionnaire. We felt that was the, the fairest way to do it. And um, you saw that State Representative uh, Malcolm Kenyatta received a 98, Lieutenant Governor John Fetterman received a 92, and, and the Connor Lamb uh, camp the Connor Lamb campaign did not respond as of yet, but they may respond. And for those 
who we are still re uh, receiving responses and we will update, you know, these scorecards. But as we are eight days out, we could no longer kind of delay uh, the sharing of this information for those who have responded one, two, three weeks ago. Um, so that, that, that was the United States Senate. And we're moving on um, to Pennsylvania's 17th Congressional District, uh, Chris Deluzio and Sean Malloy. And, and as you can see, they both received ex excellent scores, a 95 and a 91. Um, you know, spoiler alert, um, you will see a lot of, of high scores, much higher scores than we saw last spring uh, when we previewed, uh, you know, this process. Um, you know, uh, and I think it just shows how the, not only the political, you know, uh, movement on the ground, but even elected officials have, uh, are taking, you know, more progressive positions uh, publicly and, and, and formally. And, and that's what you saw um, in the results of, of the 17th Congressional District and now moving to the 12th um, Congressional District. Um, as you can see, Jerry Dickinson and Summer Lee score a 97 and Steve Irwin um, is not uh, too far behind. As we know, there's been a lot of drama with this race, but again, our scores are not based upon um, other elements outside of the campaign other than how folks answer the questionnaire with deals with issues you know, of housing, of, of, of uh, criminal justice reform, of cannabis legalization and, and issues like that. Um, and, 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 um, and also, uh, addressing, um, uh, issues, uh, such as what's going on in Ukraine and also how, uh, those issues are responded to in other parts of the world that don't necessarily look like Ukraine. So, um, again, uh, these scores are, you know, we're not, you know, uh, come up on our own or, or, or based on, you know, our particular personal feelings about candidates or who, you know, personally, secretly, we may want to win, you know, we had to, you know, go by the book and specifically go by how the specific answers of, of, of questions of a progressive nature were responded to. And when we thank everyone, uh, you know, for their responses. Um, so the next race we're going to do is Lieutenant Governor. Um, and as, as you can see, State Representative Brian Sims uh, scored 96 excellent. And uh, State Representative Austin Davis, who's running on a ticket with Attorney General um, uh, Josh Shapiro. Um, and we also have Ray Sosa from Southeastern PA um, scored at 80. Um, but again, as you can see, the trend is, is very high scores, people taking very public progressive stances. Um, and, you know, and then for those who win, you know, we look forward to holding them accountable uh, to these progressive stances that they took, not only in our questionnaire, but in other questionnaires, as well as on the campaign trail. And we're going to um, move to the 36th uh, legislative district where we have incumbent uh, Jessica Benham and challenger Stephanie Fox. And you can see Stephanie Fox did not respond as of yet. And we said we, we will update these um, over the next couple of days for those um, who uh, just have been delayed in getting the information out. Um, but we see uh, Jessica Benham has scored you know, 92, she is a first term representative running for re-election for the first time from the South Hills um, um, area, um, has been uh, a guest on the show uh, before as well. Now we're gonna move to the 35th uh, legislative district. It was represented by Austin Davis, also a candidate for Lieutenant Governor who did not have an opponent, um, but also scored out 87 
Um, and we thank him for his response as a Lieutenant Governor candidate, as well as running for reelection for state representative. And we're gonna go to the 34th uh, legislative district next. And uh, as we can see, uh, you know, Summer Lee again, um, scores a very excellent uh, 97 with Abigail Salisbury, her, uh, her opponent. As you know, Summer Lee not only is seeking the nomination in the 12th congressional district, but is also currently running for reelection in the 34th legislative district in the parts of the Mont Valley and also parts of the east end of Pittsburgh, which now I am actual constituent living in my part of the 14th Ward, which is now part of the 34th district, no longer part of the 24th district, which we will now look at uh, the candidates running for uh, uh, the nomination in the 24th legislative district, uh, Pittsburgh's East End and Hill District. Uh, Miracle, if you want to jump in. Yes, and so this is one our, of our more competitive uh, local races, and the scores are as follows. You know, Latasha Mays got a perfect score, 100, followed closely by Martel Covington with a 98, Randall Taylor with a 92, um, William Anderson and Perlina Story did not respond as of yet, but again, um, we are still uh, accepting people's responses. Once everyone has responded, uh, we'll make... Uh, their information public so people can read like, their responses uh, uh, to the questionnaire. And again, you can also go online to our website, onehoodpower.org, uh, uh, to see these as well. We'll be updating these up until uh, this weekend, uh, just because we have GOTV stuff um, come, leading into Tuesday. And so, again, we emailed, we used social media um, to reach out to people and, and to follow up about uh, getting people's responses in. And so we'll go uh, with the 24th, um, the 20th. sorry, the 20th um, uh, legislative district now. Um, we are again waiting for a response um, from Emily um, and Nick, but at this time they have not been able uh, uh, to submit the, the responses by deadline. And then this is a seat overall on the north side uh, that was originally represented by Adam Ravenstall where Emily Kincaid recently uh, you know, won that seat. I think uh, some of the geographics of the seat has changed. It was much more of a north side seat, and now it's a northern suburban seat. So I think there's some, um, you know, some some interesting uh, elements um, in that campaign. Um, and you know, we'll be watching that one um, extremely closely. But we we'll look forward to, to responses from, from both those candidates. And now we're going to move uh, to the 19th legislative district, which has picked up a lot of the north side and less of the hill to see, uh, formerly represented by uh, Chief of Staff uh, Jake Wheatley. And we have the new, uh, the newly minted uh, State Representative Ariane Abney, scoring a 92 with uh, Reverend Glenn Grayson, not responding as of yet, but if we get a response in the next couple of days, we will update uh, that, that as well. And that rounds out um, you know, our scorecards uh, for, for this cycle. Again, we you know, did a number of statewide races, um, that you know, that were competitive. We did some local races, particularly races that um, have large uh, African American constituencies, is, is, is what we focused on. Um, and and um, and and if, if those who live in other districts want to get scorecards, reach out to us um, for the fall election. We were doing a lot more uh, of these, but again, um, the process uh, was very stringent. Twenty questions based on how those specific questions were answered. We had a point system based on every uh, possibility of a question going from strongly agree with the, with, with, with the statement to uh, strongly disagree. And we stuck to that uh, numerical system 
so that uh you know we could not you know um do anything in the process where our personal biases could come into play yes and so um we want to thank everyone for tuning in if you are someone who's interested in politics especially if you're a student um, if you want to intern with us, One Hood Power is going to be taking on some summer interns. Um, so please reach out to us. You know, we have our Facebook, Instagram, uh, you know, our, even our website, you know, sign up for our email list because uh, there's going to be a lot of cool work that we're going to be doing the next couple of weeks. Again, show up for, you know, this the block party uh, this weekend. We're going to have performances. We're going to have food. Um, again, shout out to Caribbean Vibes for being our partner. Um, they're going to have, you know, vegan and vegetarian options. You know, I, I'm a fan of the chickpea curry. So it's going to be a really cool uh, moment to come out, get some information. We invited some candidates to come through and stop by. So the last chance to network and meet some folks. And again, um, remember, you have until tomorrow, close the business to get your, your mail-in ballot and get ready to vote on Tuesday. And it's going to be a reminder. Districts have changed. The vote, the polling place you may have gone to your whole entire life may not be the same polling place you have right now. So it's again very, very, very important to go to vote.pa.gov and double check what your polling place is. Because if it's you're not on the roster, you only have one chance uh, to do it right. And if not, you do a provisional ballot. And that means your vote does not get counted. So your vote is your power, um, you know, in this electoral landscape. So please, please, please make sure you are registered to vote. Um, if you haven't registered to vote by now, don't worry. You can vote in the November election. You just can't vote in this primary. So again, we want everyone to feel included if you can. Um, so please make sure you double check in your voter registration. And with that, we will see you next Monday at 7 p.m. for some really cool guests, um, some last-minute get-out-the-vote information, and a reminder to tune on Sunday at 7 p.m. where we have the Sunday night sit-down. So again, like and subscribe to our YouTube channel, and um, you know, go back to the website. We'll be posting um, all the scorecards on our social media as well. So again, if you're voting by mail, every day until Tuesday is an election day. Um, if not, we'll see you at the polls on Tuesday. Absolutely. Special thanks to Representative uh, Malcolm Kenyatta for joining us and Stark and Shane from Be Social uh, for hosting us tonight and helping organize uh, this Saturday's uh, wonderful event. So thank you for joining us again. We'll see you next Monday night on the One Hood Power Hour, one night before the election, the election eve special. So thank you so much. And for my colleague Miracle and the entire uh, One Hood uh, family of organizations, thank you for joining us. Take care. Have a good night. Have a good one. Thank you.